This is Steve Shives' YouTube Big Shot, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 520 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, the unafraid of bees, Brittany Page. Yeah, it seems like you're having some issues with the bees. <laughs> Not issues. I just, I think what it is, is I saw an Instagram post yesterday mm-hmm. of a multiple, multiple time guest on the show, mm-hmm. Mark from... From 720 apiaries uh-huh. in Boise. Yeah. And uh, and then I dreamed about bees. That usually happens. You yeah, know, I, things that you see or things yeah. that are on your mind tend to find their way into your dreams. And it was about killer bees, Africanized bees. <laughs> because as a kid... It's specific. As well, as a kid, mm-hmm. it was my... I don't want to say like my biggest fear, but it was for <laughs> sure there was some anxiety around... Africanized bees, and why? Why? Well, in the girl, you grow up in the eighties. It was like a deal. Like there was all of these reports. You know, it's sensationalized news. This mm-hmm. guy got attacked, and then he like got stung ten thousand times or whatever. Yeah, and they would always show maps of the predictions of when the killer bees would get to your area mm. because it was like at the border. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, Southern California, they're just, they're infested with killer bees. Uh-oh. And then by the time, I it was probably, I don't know, remember the years, but mm-hmm. by the early 2000s, it was going to be in Idaho. Yeah. And I just figured it was going to be fucking killer bees everywhere. <laughs> like you wouldn't be able to go outside without wearing a hazmat suit? Yeah, I worried about the killer bees. Mm-hmm. And now we live in Southern California. Oh, and so I've, it's really bringing it back yeah, for never, you. Never seen a killer bee. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, sometimes our fears as children are not the most accurate things. Did, did or, you? You have any? I'm uh, sure you had some, but well, what were yours? How about that? <laughs> well, yeah. So my parents watched Cops and America's Most Wanted a lot. Of course they did. And so I saw a lot of terrible things. So my two biggest fears were being sold into sexual slavery, like sex trafficking. <laughs> what? And um, also having my throat slit in the middle of the night by someone trying to kidnap me. Wow. (laughs) Can you feel the heaviness in the room right now? (laughs) Well, and that's because I saw... I I was worried about getting stung by a couple bees. Yeah. And you're worried about having your neck sliced and sold into slavery. Yeah, yours were like fake concerns and mine are real concerns. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I saw a story about a girl who got her throat slit in the middle of the night by some guy that was trying to kidnap her. And she like had to walk a mile holding her throat together. Um, wow. to get some help, you know, on America's Most Wanted. Is that show still on, by the way? Because that is a traumatic show. Yeah, well, they're not. It's 
<laughs> Watching that show, it is traumatizing. I'm serious. For sure. I mean, they but would. They're not dealing with the the normal way shit goes. They're dealing with the extreme things. Of course, of yeah. course. When well, you're a kid, you don't you don't put that together. And Cops is like that too. I just listened to a really interesting on the media episode about the show Cops. Yeah, I listened to that one too. And for some reason, my parents loved watching Cops, and I don't know why it, it's something i wish i could ask them maybe maybe it was kind of a, like what not to do oh we gotta we gotta like learning the tricks of the trade kind of a thing if we're gonna get arrested we don't gotta know how not to get arrested or how not to act how not to get tased in the ball sack yeah that might be <laughs> that might be it um because my dad also he spent a lot of time listening to the police scanner he had a uh, police scanner do they still have those is of that of course still... they do remember during the las vegas shooting i downloaded oh, one of the apps right 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 so we could listen to the las vegas um scanner yeah traffic yeah. so um yeah so i'm not sure what it was but this podcast talked about how cops uh the police departments that they would work with the filming of the show actually had veto power yeah over certain segments and they would For public relations matter uh reasons yeah they would give them the video footage that would be airing in advance and give them veto power over certain things now what's interesting about that is cops didn't always show cops behaving in the most <laughs> appropriate way for sure not so sometimes i guess they wouldn't veto things that would make the cops look bad which is good but still um people watch cops and think that like that's how cop work goes and yeah, that's right. it's not accurate at all well it's always like they they like have a conversation with you like hey man what's going on in your life for you to be wanting to do the drugs? Yeah. It's like, that's not how it works. Well, yeah. And on the it's fucking get against the car, spread them, fucking cuff them and stuff them, get them out the fuck out of here. So I can go on to the next guy. <laughs> cuff them and stuff them. Were you a cop in a previous life? What's happening right now? I don't know, that's what, that's... Cuff them and stuff them. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. On, on this podcast, they talked about that too, though, where the producers of the show cops would tell the cops that they were filming with to kind of, uh, initiate conversation yeah. and kind of spread out the the arrest time and i think one of the people being interviewed said that a normal arrest takes only you know a few minutes um or like pulling someone over takes only a few minutes but they would like drag this out yeah and have like a mini counseling session with the person that they're yeah. they're interacting with so anyway. never i've never had that happen or seen that happen where a cop's trying to really dig down deep and get to the bottom of this yeah what went know? wrong in your life guy yeah <laughs> what can we do to get you back on track i yeah. mean other than arrest you and incur you with hundreds or maybe thousands of dollars in fines what can we do yeah to help you out yeah <laughs> you know this is gonna hurt you more than it hurts me yeah or wait the other way around well you <laughs> you said that it would be a frustrating show for you to watch because uh people didn't know their rights uh, even cops when would I was, trample over their rights even when i was a conservative Mm -hmm. uh, it bothered me. I would be, in, I couldn't watch it because it would make me so fucking mad. I mean, really, very mad. Well, you're saying even when you were a conservative, meaning... Um, like Law and Order guy. Yeah. So you were probably a little bit more rah-rah, like take care of the criminals, but you were still able to say, well, these are people working for the government. They shouldn't be trampling yeah, it, over. Yeah, it was more that libertarian angle. Yeah. That, like when a cop, when the cop does this thing, well, I'm going to search your car, Okay. <laughs> but they, the, the okay doesn't happen like that. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to search your car. So, or, or I'm going to search your car. Okay, 
Yeah. They don't, uh, they make it seem like they're telling you they're going to do it, right. not asking you to do it. Right. That shit drives me fucking bananas. Well, one, it drives me bananas that criminals don't know more about their law, the, the law and their rights. Yeah. Because I've told cops several times. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. You, no, you cannot look in my car. There was a kidnapping case in Northern Virginia. I th- probably talked about this once or twice. When in, in an apartment complex I lived in, and a kid, they thought it was kidnapping, a little two-year-old. Mm-hmm. What had happened was he went to the, the apartment ne- uh, below them mm-hmm. where the guy was on vacation, went in and was living it up. For like three days, just eating everything and falling asleep, just living in this guy's apartment. Good times. But they didn't know that. They thought he would have been taken. Mm-hmm. And the FBI showed up at my door and wanted to search the house. And I said, no, no. Then they did it like that. We're going to, we're going door to door. We're looking at everyone's house. I said, no, you're not. And then there was a conversation had and they were like, well, where do you work? I said, mm-hmm. oh, I work for the United States Senate. And they're like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I let him in. I let him in, but I let him know I'm letting you in, motherfuckers. It's not because you're telling me you're coming in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't a great guy. <laughs> I I used to get frustrated with my um, friends in high school that were, you know, like smoking weed and stuff yeah. and carrying like bongs with them or pipes or whatever. What are you doing? And um, they would like let cops search their car and then they would get... Arrested they just, they're just rolling charged. the dice that they're not going to find the thing. Well, and I would get frustrated. I'm like, you know, dude, you can tell them no. And you need to be aware of your rights if you're going to be yes. doing things that are illegal. Yes. You need to. And even if you're not doing things that are illegal, you need to be aware of your rights so that when something happens, you can then assert those rights and not have them trampled on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll say this, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. Uh, I've seen serving on this grand jury, lots of things that I was like, God damn! If only people knew what the fuck was going on, because mm-hmm. they go into pretty great detail explaining what took place. The cop did this. The person did this. Like how people got caught. Yeah, yeah. And it's just dummies, man. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of smart. I mean, you know, if they were geniuses, they'd probably be working in corporate America, but instead they're, you know, slinging math or what the fuck ever. Not geniuses, Brittany, is what I'm saying. Mm. So, anyway, let's continue with the show. We've got some listener communication to get to. It uh, it almost makes me, this, this slate of new listener communications, we'll start with an email. It makes me think maybe we should uh, ditch the news and a news and comment show, and maybe start doing a pet podcast. Yeah, have it be the Popeye show. The, the Popeye, the Popeye show, and just update everyone on his problems every week. Yeah, and have everyone write in with solutions to those problems. The Puppy Healthcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's start, like I said, with the the email from Marcus, mm-hmm. who's close to a vet. Hi, guys. This one's kind of long, so I won't be offended if it doesn't make the show or is edited down. Guess what, Marcus? You don't get to make those decisions. That's right. We'll make those decisions. It's perfectly fine. Unbelievable. This is not a long email. You should see most of the emails that we receive. How (laughs) presumptuous. Okay. I'm disgusted. Yes. Are we stopping now? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Regarding your discussion of Popeye possibly going blind, a few years ago, we had a dog named Trendy who lost most of her vision due to age. Here are a few things we did to help. 
Since Trendy wasn't entirely blind, just lost a lot of her vision, and it was particularly bad at night, we put nightlights in around the house. I bought around a dozen cheap LED nightlights and plugged them in around the house, pointing at the floor. I found that I liked it for me so much that even after she died, we kept them so we can navigate the house at night without needing to turn on lights. Dogs sense the world. This is a new bullet point. <laughs> Just so everyone knows. Dogs sense the world much more. You're through... narrating how the email is written. Now. Well, that was a very, <laughs> that was not a smooth transition. Right, right, right. Dogs sense the world much more through smell than sight. And one idea that was suggested to us was to put up smells for navigation. You could put sachets of different wait, smells. Wait, wait, wait. Sachets? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what that is. A small perfumed bag to used to scent clothes. A sachet? Well then what is it when you sachet across a room? Well a different I, word? I looked up how to say it because I was calling it sachet. <laughs> I wouldn't know what that is. And a sachet? And that's how Google said you should pronounce it. Alright. Um, you could put up sachets of different smells. Look at Marcus using these words. How dare Um, you again, sir? Superior vocabulary. Um, at strategic locations like near Popeye's food and water bowls, his bed, etc. When Trendy lost her sight, we found that for a while she was easily startled if we touched her. It can be helpful to put your hand near the dog's nose to let them know you're there through smell before touching them. So those are the tips I'm aware of for dogs with poor sight. It's amazing how well dogs adapt to things that seem pretty dramatic to us. So I'm sure Popeye will do his dog thing, even if he does (laughs) lose his sight. Give him some belly rubs for me. Popeye snorts are the best part, Mm. Marcus. Uh, That's interesting. The Mm -hmm. Not touching him first, but letting him smell that you're there. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, super good advice and that is particularly i think important for popeye because when we like for example if we come home and we slowly open the door because we don't want to sometimes he's sleeping yeah, sometimes you don't even need to slowly open the fucking door yeah, and you we'll, just come in we'll walk in and he is just passed out on the couch <laughs> and we'll slowly walk over to him and sit down next to him and start petting him and like after a few seconds, he just jerks away. He freaks and out. He's, yeah. yeah, he is startled. And so I don't know what it is about. That's some deep ass sleeping right there. Yeah. Uh, but he does get a little startled just from being surprised. Also, since he can't see out of his, it's his right eye, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then no, yeah, yeah, right. Eye. If you are on that side of him and you go to pet him, he gets confused too because he can't see you coming to pet him. Yeah, he 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 contorts his head in all kind of different ways to try to get a shot at you with his good eye. Yeah. So I also, think- also let me say this: it, he's not going blind like right fucking now. We just think it's probably going to be in the cards for him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was an important tip. We yeah. appreciate it. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus. We appreciate it very much. Next Popeye call. Hey, what's up, Jesse, Brittany, and Popeye? Bully with a Y. This is Nico from New York. Uh, Listen, I'm just calling because I uh, like what you guys were talking about in terms of uh, Popeye's getting older uh, as a a doggy dad of a senior dog myself. Um, You know, I've noticed some changes in my dog ever since we adopted him. 
Uh, we adopted him as a senior dog. He was 10 years old, or at least they think he was 10 years old when they uh, when they found him on the street, and we adopted him shortly thereafter. And uh, so now here we are almost three years later, and, you know, he's lost a little pep in his step. He's gone from having dry eye to being completely blind in both eyes and has lost, I'd say, about 95% of his hearing. He doesn't respond to pretty much anything other than touch or smell. But hopefully, and I think maybe Popeye is going to go down the same route considering he's somewhat lovable. So what you guys are saying, you know, unless you're putting eye drops in his eyes and he's snapping at you. Um, you know, my dog's gotten more cuddly, more friendly. So um, he's been more of a lap dog. He didn't really like to be picked up and cuddled before. And ever since he's gotten a little bit older and slowed down a little bit and lost his vision and lost his hearing, he likes to be cuddled. So I think Popeye will probably go on the same route. Anyway, guys, uh, I'll leave it at that. Don't want to talk about Mitch McConnell because if you don't already know he's a dick, then you don't listen to the show or follow much of the news. <laughs> or you follow Fox News, which begs me to question why you're listening to Jesse and Brittany. Because I never listen to I Doubt It With Autumn. Anyway, guys. It's been real. Uh, love the show. Popeye is the best part. Mm. So much love for the pops. That's what we call him. Yeah. Uh, and he, sometimes sweetie ma. And he is. That's what you call him. <laughs> uh, he is a lover. It's mm-hmm. just he's not a like the who's the Captain America guy? Chris Evans. Yeah, yeah. Chris Evans posted some photos of a, of his bulldog he used to have, mm-hmm. just like snuggled up on his chest, sleeping Aww, on the couch. Yeah. And one time I was like, ah, I got on the couch and come on up, Popeye. And I laid down and Popeye's like, what the fuck is going on? You're taking the whole couch. Yeah. And then he got off. Yeah. So he's, he's not into it that much. Yeah. I always tell him I'm going to hold him like a baby and then try to grab him and hold him like a baby and he doesn't like it. <laughs> but maybe he'll like it if he goes blind. So... Since Nico mentioned Mitch McConnell, mm-hmm. w- let's we'll we'll transition to both a little bit of Popeye, a little bit of Mitch. All right. Hey guys, it's Chase from Virginia here, calling back with a nice little message about episode five nineteen. The episode episode Brittany called Mitch is a dick. Uh, here's a better one. Mitch is a bitch. There you go. Hashtag Mitch is a bitch, or hashtag Mitch bitch, or hashtag even better, just thought of it, bitch Mitch. I don't even know. But you guys have a good time with that. You guys have a great day. And as always, Popeye is the best part. It is the episode of Popeye. It really is. Well, until I like it. Once we're done with listener communication, it won't be because we'll move on to more important things. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we're glad that Chase had fun with that. Hashtag Mitch is a bitch. <laughs> Mitch bitch. <laughs> uh, Ed and Damascus here. Uh, just uh, calling to uh, uh, thank you and uh, Brittany for your your service to the country and all that jazz with the. Uh, well, more specifically about Popeye, um, as in, in going blind. Uh, yeah, that, that, that would concern me as well. You know, I, I had a dog that was, uh, that was blind and deaf. She was a very old dog, a 22 year old dog, but, uh, but, uh, uh, I, I, I'm not exactly sure it, it, it's, it's the same as it is with people exactly. Because, you know, dogs have four legs, so they're not gonna fall over and hurt themselves and, uh, and they have a greater sense of smell and, uh, greater sense of hearing and uh yeah I, I wouldn't worry too much about popeye um 
but yeah, but I, I would, I would, I would, I would probably take a, as a previous caller had said, uh, take extra caution with that ear infection because a dog's ears can uh, have long-term infections that are hard to resolve. So you have to keep it clean and uh, you know, and, 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 and you know, with the proper medication from your vet, and it could be hard to keep on top of that. And I encourage you to do that uh, because you know, you wouldn't want a blind and deaf dog. That would probably be uh, a little bit harder. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, Brittany's best part. Thanks. Well, love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. A little almost, slow. Almost, I was a little slow there. Almost cut off my own praise. Um, <laughs> we appreciate all this advice. It's it's really helpful. I I try to avoid googling things. Yeah, that would for be advice a because for you. it well it just it turns into a how do I know any of this is accurate like you you'll know. end up on like naturalnews.com yeah one of those, I, I don't those think that conspiracy sites that has been removed from the internet well from Just facebook. facebook yeah <laughs> <laughs> um one could only hope for what will happen in its future yeah we'll see anyway yeah. uh last call mm-hmm. on mr dr reverend popeye mm-hmm Good morning, Jesse and Brittany. This is your favorite vet tech friend from Buffalo, New York, Laura. Um, I just wanted to weigh in a little bit on Popeye's dry eye situation. So my question is if he has actual diagnosed keratoconjunctivitis sica like by a doctor or did just someone from the rescue tell you that he has dry eye um it is quite a common thing in bulldogs i know you guys probably know that um but untreated it can be pretty painful so my advice to you guys would be to definitely treat him with something on a daily basis uh it's basically what happens is your tear ducts are not producing uh, tears to lubricate your eyes so your eyelids can feel like sandpaper, uh, which is really uncomfortable and can cause uh, pretty bad uh, ulcers on the eye if it's not treated. So you don't want to get into ulcer territory because that gets... uh, that gets much more complicated and can be even more painful than just the dry eye itself. There is more than one kind of drop that you can use to treat it. Um, so you should talk to your veterinarian about that and see, you know, if you can try something different than what you had before that was painful to him or that made him snappy. Um, but he might have also just been snappy because it hurts so bad and that might get better if he's using the drops um but if you're not going to use just the regular the the different medications i believe there's uh tacrolimus is one of them um and the other one starts with a c i can't remember it off the top of my head um and you should at least be putting like artificial tear ointment in his eye every day. Um, that's not going to work as well as a medication that's going to help with the tear production, but it would at least uh, help his comfort level, and that might help improve his temperament as far as uh, touching his eyes. Um, you can get, um, I would suggest the ointment because it's going to last longer if he actually has diagnosed KCS. Um 
and you know it might be kind of a pain in the butt to get in his eye but it really will uh, make him feel better um, the only other thing I can suggest within my three minute limit uh, for a dog that's blind is to use um, those really light dim lit string lights in places uh, for him to help him get around if he's not totally blind like if he just has cataracts um, because sometimes they can still see dim light and shadow not bright light as much um, but I will talk to my vet friends a little bit more about other stuff for blind dogs. Okay, love you guys. Happy birthday. Bye. Uh, to answer the questions, first, I think it's very, again, presumptuous of our audience <laughs> to say that you're our favorite vet tech. Ooh. This is outrageous, again. <laughs> outrageous. <laughs> and, no, we love Laura. Um, he was diagnosed because the rescue runs through a vet's office. So mm-hmm. any anything they like, they gave us a, a pile of medicines to start, start him out with, yeah. to to get him taken care of. But mm-hmm. uh, we have decided that we're going to bring him to the vet mm-hmm. um, right when we get back from San Francisco. Yeah, so we're going to start doing the medicine for the eye because I really do. He doesn't seem to. It, he's not like in pain or bothered by it because he's never rubbing it. He doesn't. He's just. Leave me the fuck alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's never rubbing his eye. And in fact, when we try to do anything with his eye, he's annoyed and doesn't want us to do anything with it. So, um, but I like how Laura and Marcus gave similar advice there. Yeah. You hear the lights? Yeah. I was a little weirded out with the Marcus thing. Why? What? Well, I liked it so much that now we just use them to navigate the house that we live in that must be fucking Buckingham Palace. What? And how big is your house that you need lights to to navigate? Well, no, it's just that when you <laughs> when you like get up for a drink of water or something and you don't want to turn on all the lights in the house, it seems like it's probably nice just to have a subtle mm. string of lights that can guide well, you there. I'm going to go with he lives in a castle. Okay. That's I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> so anyway, if we still have anybody listening to the show that hasn't fucking turned it off, <laughs> Let's move to one more voicemail that is not. Oh my god! That is not Popeye related. <laughs> hi Brittany, hi Jesse. My name is Betty, and I'm from Texas. I'm calling about uh, the conversation you had about John Stewart and um, you know seeking funding for the 9/11 first responders. Um, you know, we we listen to those stories, and um, we wonder, you know, what can we do to to help get these politicians off their ass and to help these people that are well-deserved. And um, I think there's many more things. I'm an ER nurse, um, and I travel throughout the U.S. as a travel nurse, and I've had the opportunity to work with patients suffering of black lung in West Virginia from the coal mines and uh, working with people who have and still are suffering the consequences in Michigan from the water crisis. And um, at this point, if we have not been able to get these politicians to do anything, I think we have to come out in 2020 with even more energy and do whatever it is that we can, even if that means having to primary a Democrat that isn't helping, like Joe Manchin, for example, in West Virginia, um, who is in the pocket of the coal industry. Um, So I think... um, there's things that we can do even from afar, like postcards to voters is a great way. I did that in 2018 to help candidates that were outside of my voting district, but that really needed um, some support. And it gives us an opportunity to help, um, you know, in other states that are not your own. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, and I, I think people need to remember that tweeting at our politicians doesn't really help. We have to make phone calls. We have to 
write emails. We have to call every day if we have to to put the pressure because it's just unfair. They have a history of treating people who um, work these jobs uh, unfairly. Uh, look what they do to our military as well, you know. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there. I wanted to also say to Jesse, um, thank you for your YouTube videos. I look forward to them all the time. You're one on Trump uh, this week and, and uh, welcoming, you know, any country to come and help them in 2020 was excellent. So um, thank you very much for that. And I'm just wondering what you guys, if you have any ideas on how we can help also in 2020. Um, Again, this is Betty, and uh, Brittany is the best part, but sometimes, sometimes, Jesse is also the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. That sounds like fucking fake news to me. <laughs> uh, listen, I think although she gave some great ideas, uh, uh, the postcards, getting involved with the campaign, I think that's probably the the, the best way to do it. it. It It's kind of an arm's length kind of a thing sometimes, where you think of, oh yeah, they've, she's got her campaign staff, but there are... There are uh, divisions of the campaign in for every presidential campaign. If, if we're talking about presidential politics right now, if you're talking about Senate politics, that's fine too. Um, they they have ground level grassroots organizational staffing that you're a volunteer and you they'll they'll tell you what to do. They'll train you what to do, and they are desperate for people to help. You're never going to be turned away if you go to a campaign and say, "What can I do?" Whether it's uh, being someone who distributes uh, um, yard signs or who, who phone banks and makes calls or writes out the postcards that Betty's talking about, that that kind of uh, activity happens both at the congressional, you know, both House and Senate and also the presidential level. And they would be very happy to have your assistance, to have your volunteer hours. So contact a campaign. I went to uh, Elizabeth Warren's campaign website the other day when I, I did a video about something or other. I don't even remember now. And uh, there was get involved, volunteer, and there's like an email form that populates and then they'll get a hold of you. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also if obviously if you have five bucks extra you know, campaigns are they're not all about big dollar donors, especially the Democrats who are not taking PAC money, for the most part not taking PAC money They'll take $5 and be happy with a $5 donation. Absolutely. A $10 donation. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bernie hit the whole thing last year or last uh, election cycle was $27 was the average was the average donation. That's that's big time for a campaign. And, you know, a $5 thing doesn't always it's not going to sting coming out of your wallet, coming out of your bank account. Mm -hmm. So uh, unfortunately, the system that we have does take money. And uh, that would be a way, if you don't have the time to get involved volunteering actually on the ground, mm -hmm. to, to get involved. Absolutely. So thanks for the call, Betty, and everybody else uh, who sounded off about Popeye. It's, uh, it's not, I wish he knew yeah. that there was an army of people who, who didn't turn off the podcast, yeah. <laughs> who do care uh, how he's doing. Yeah, it's he's, sweet. He's the unofficial mascot of the show. Yeah. So, we thank you. We appreciate it. And we'd love to hear from you. If you've not called in the show ever before, 657-464-7609. Of course, emailing voice memos from your smartphone works too to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and 
good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Well, we appreciate every single person who supports us on Patreon, who supports us on PayPal. Absolutely. Who supports us by shopping on Amazon, who supports us by writing reviews in the preferred podcast app of of their choice (laughs) um, without using profanity. And... Uh, am I forgetting something? Oh, no. and the people who support us just by listening to the show and writing into the show, subscribing, subscribing to the show, to the show yeah. sharing the show with a friend that you think will like it. Um, anyone who listens to the show and laughs at our dumbness, even listen, even if you you suggest it to a show, uh, the, the show to someone who will hate listen. Oh, yeah. I kind of. We love our hate listeners. It revs me up a little bit knowing there's people out there because we know there are people out there who hate listen to the show. Yeah, and I love knowing that people are wasting their time on me. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to know about other people. Wow. Yeah. That is spectacular. It is spectacular. I love it. But let's uh. say this. Um, w- even though we're going to San Francisco next weekend, we're still going to have the two episodes that week. Don't worry. We're also having an exciting bonus episode that we're doing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We're really looking forward I'm, to that. I'm very excited about it. It's going it. to be a lot of fun. We hope that you guys will enjoy it as well. And the debates are coming up. Yeah. The debates are starting, you guys. So we're going to be... Uh, I feel. I almost feel like the debates are going to reinvigorate me and uh, have me very excited again about what's happening in politics because it's been it's been a depressing time you know I, I talked to a bartender yesterday uh-huh. the guy he's like whoa what are you, your birthday's coming up what are you gonna be doing for your birthday I said <laughs> watching the democratic presidential debates that's right <laughs> well do you want to play the democracy thing before we talk about the debate lineup or do you want to talk about it now Right, let's talk about it now. Okay. I just don't know if you how you want to structure that. And you're the boss. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. I thought you would laugh when I said you're the boss because you're, you're not the boss and there's actually equality. I show. wanted, I, I think that I, that's going to be isolated. <laughs> oh, no, 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 And no. Uh, that's a drop, in fact. <laughs> no. I better write our time down no, here. No, no, just no, Just over no. 34 minutes. So if I can request then, boss, to have a, a drop <laughs> brought back to the show. Which one would that I be? I would like the Kristen Cavalieri drop brought back. Oh. Where she says, I've read too many books. Let, I'll find it while you talk about the lineup. Okay. So we have the debates coming up on June 26th and June 27th. Okay, and I believe it is going to be NBC News that is hosting the debates. Mm -hmm. Now, these will be from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern each night. And you are going to have five moderators, including... um, Yeah, it's it's almost as many moderators as there are candidates. Savannah Guthrie. Guthrie. Why did I put an N in there? Um, (laughs) Lester Holt, Chuck Todd, Rachel Maddow, and Jose Diaz-Ballart. Yeah, I think that's it. And did I already give the time for the debates? I don't know. Okay. Anyway, so this is who will be on night one. They have officially announced the lineup for I'm the candidates. I'm a little disappointed in the lineup. I'll say it up front yeah, so, for the first night. Yeah. So we'll say night one is Cory Booker, 
senator from New Jersey, uh, Julian Castro, former housing secretary, Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York, John Delaney, former representative from Maryland, Tulsi Gabbard, representative from Hawaii, Jay Inslee. Yeah. Washington governor. Governor of Washington. Amy Klobuchar, senator from Minnesota. Beto O'Rourke. I always struggle with that. Former representative from Texas. Tim Ryan, representative from Ohio. And Elizabeth Warren, senator from Massachusetts. So it really is. It's the reason it bums me out is because this is they're trying to avoid having an A team and a B team, having the the junior varsity debates. And that's ultimately what they've done here, because really the only two names on that list that are that are prime timers would be uh, Beto. But he's really struggling in the polls. Mm -hmm. Cory Booker, who's doing okay, And Elizabeth Warren. But right now there's six candidates that are polling that could beat Donald Trump. If the election was held today mm-hmm. and the only two that are on that list uh, on this list are Beto and I'm um, no, not Beto, not Beto are Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren. Right. So come on. And then the other lineup, which I'm assuming you're getting ready to read. Yeah. Is fucking. It's like the premiere of a fucking movie. It's the big time A-listers. Yeah. Except for Marianne Williamson. Yeah. A self-help author. Yeah, well, come on. Somebody <laughs> um, who, 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 who voters are giving her crystals, healing crystals on the campaign trail. Get the fuck out of here. So <laughs> let's get the list. Night two. <laughs> Night two is Michael Bennett, senator from Colorado. Joseph R. Biden Jr., former vice president. Pete Buttigieg, mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Kirsten Gillibrand, Senator from New York, Kamala Harris, Senator from California, John Hickenlooper, former governor of Colorado, Bernie Sanders, Senator from Vermont, Eric Swalwell, representative from California, Marianne Williamson, self-help author, <laughs> Andrew Yang, former tech yeah, executive. Yeah, it really is. That's the that's the bulk of the of the of the solid viable candidates there. there there's a few stragglers there that aren't, but well, yeah, it, and also I don't know what their criteria is exactly, but but Marianne Williamson made it, and Seth Moulton, um, former Marine, Ma- Massachusetts congressman, didn't make it. Come on, does anybody have any any conception of, of viability here? Because Marianne Williamson is not that. Yeah, well, I know what they're trying. Well, so they say that this was a draw, right? And they're saying Elizabeth Warren ending up on the essentially kitty table night one yeah. is an unlucky draw. But I think that this... I don't know. I just don't trust it because I feel like they're trying to ensure that there will be viewers for both nights. Right. But they didn't do they, a very good job. If they put all of the top contenders in one night, well, people aren't going to watch the second one because no yeah. one cares about all these no-name people. Also, we know what happened last time. We know how the DNC handled the 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 campaign between Bernie and and Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. and we know that the, their thumb was on the fucking scale. That we know that they're not going to be going at this earnestly, or at least there's a reasonable expectation that they won't. And it was the DNC that did the random drawing. Yeah, right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. They're in charge of it. They were in charge last time. We knew what the fuck happened. Well, and what's it's just so strange because according to the a recent morning consult poll. Um, Elizabeth Warren is the only one in the top five that is on that first night. So why would you take one candidate out of the top? Anyway, I know it's quote unquote random, but one of the candidates from the top five is going to be on the other stage. So she can't mix it up with the other top candidates. It just seems, it seems so strange. Well, Well, here's the good thing. 
I think shortly after the first debate, when some of these other candidates don't see their numbers rising, uh, they're going to realize what's in it for them, that it's not in the cards. They Mm -hmm. need to drop out. So the, the, the field will start to diminish the numbers and then we'll have a better shot at having a decent debate with you know, 10 or 12 people mm-hmm. at a table. Yeah. Anyway. I'm just eager to watch all of the Democratic candidates walk out and have a similar situation as when Donald Trump and Ben Carson got stuck behind yeah. <laughs> stuck behind the stage. You Somebody know? tweeted that out this week, that, that, that this is still something they think about. And that was an awesome moment in the debate because Ben Carson is a ding dong. Well, it, what's funny is the two people that got stuck were Trump and Ben Carson, so the pres- the current president of the United States, and then the Secretary of You're Housing right. and Irving De- <laughs> Urban Development, <laughs> and everyone else was perfectly able to walk out on stage, yeah, just Cruz, as one does. When he walks by Carson, and he's like shrugs his shoulders, like, "What? Okay, I'm yeah. leaving. I'm what coming. are you doing back here, buddy? You're supposed to be out there." So good. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway, um, as you requested, I've read too many books. <laughs> oh, I love that one. Of course, she was talking about vaccines and why she doesn't vaccinate her children. Yeah, she's read too many books. Yeah. That's that's the reason. Yeah. I've read too many books. Just as a side note, I don't think that naturalnews.com is a book. Yes. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, let's let's cover a couple things here. We've been talking about Donald Trump and his interview with George Stephanopoulos on ABC, where he said, yeah, I want him. Of course, I'm going to listen. The FBI director is wrong that you should call the FBI. He's wrong about that. Well, concerns are now being raised, obviously are being raised, not only that Donald Trump believes that, but that also that he's sending out a message to, to rogue nations that he's open for business. CNN's Jim Acosta joins us now with what his sources are telling him. Jim, what are you learning about all the fallout surrounding the ABC News interview? Yeah, John, uh, sources telling uh, me and Abby Phillip, my colleague, uh, that essentially people inside the White House and outside the White House, close to the president, feel uh, that Mr. Trump mishandled these questions uh, coming from ABC about whether or not he would accept foreign dirt on uh, a political opponent in the upcoming 2020 campaign. Uh, One source told me earlier today uh, that these clips uh, coming from ABC have been, uh, quote, tough to watch. And they essentially feel at this point the president did try to clean this up. Uh, but there has been some lasting damage. They're not exactly sure how much damage was done, but there was some lasting damage by, uh, from what the president said. He clearly invited uh, foreign governments to turn over damaging information on political opponents in that interview. And as you were just playing a few moments ago, he sort of cleared it up, but left a lot of collusion confusion because uh, in the course of that interview on Fox and Friends, he seemed to be saying, well, uh, maybe I would turn it over to the FBI, but I might want to have a look at it first. Uh, that's not exactly the same thing as going straight to the FBI. No, not at all. Uh, and I understand, Jim, that some of the president's advisors have taken issue with how Sarah Sanders handled all of this, correct? That's right. And there was some grumbling going on inside the White House among some of the president's political advisors as to whether or not uh, the outgoing White House press secretary simply granted too much access uh, to the president during the course of this interview and put him in a position where he made these kinds of comments. Now, of course, it was the president's decision to do the interview and also make those remarks. So you can't blame too much of this on Sarah Sanders. But uh, there was some finger pointing going on inside the White House and among the president's political advisors and a just goes to show you, John, uh, that there there was concern as to what the president said. Otherwise, they wouldn't be pointing fingers at one another. So the people you're talking to, Jim, do they think these comments from the president are, are going to hurt him with his supporters at all? 
You know, what we're hearing at this point, and John, you, you and I have seen this movie before, when the president makes these sorts of remarks, it is kind of incredible uh, how much uh, Teflon coating he has uh, when it comes to this issue of, of interference in our elections. Uh, the sources that we've been talking to over the last 24 hours have, have told us essentially they feel, though, that this is uh, just an issue for Democrats and uh, people in the media, not necessarily something that's going to dent his support among his supporters. And I think one true sign of that came earlier today, John, when the Senate Majority Leader uh, was thanked by the president on Twitter for uh, Mitch McConnell's comments to Fox News that essentially the, the public needs to move on on all of this mm-hmm. and that Democrats are never going to give this up. It's just one more example. When it comes to this issue of foreign interference, it seems that the, the leadership of the Republican Party has essentially had this president's back no matter what he says. John, I, I will say we've heard from many nonpartisan people in the national security community that they have been concerned about these comments right. as well. Jim Acosta, thank you very much. What does it say about our country and our situation right now? We have a president that staff are fighting. The president is so stupid, so under-prepared for moments like this, that they say, well, you put him in a position to make these comments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The opportunity for a media interview shouldn't, Put everyone on pins and needles because what the fuck is he going to say? Obama would never have ever slipped and said something this ridiculous in a press interview because he's a smart man. Also, he doesn't hold these vile beliefs that are traitorous. I was going to say that's probably the more important (laughs) point. Yeah, But it's just odd that there's infighting in the White House because... Why did you put him in a position? Well, yeah, and this, it kind of reminds me of what's happening with Sarah Huckabee Sanders announcing that she's going to be stepping down as the White House press secretary uh, at the end of the month. And this new conversation about who will be replacing her. And they're also discussing whether or not to bring back the daily press briefing because as of her announcement, there hadn't been one in 94 days. Yeah, over three months. It's just something that doesn't happen anymore and so they're discussing well should we do it um behind the scenes like have an untelevised daily press briefing have that be part of the new person's yeah. um, daily duties but donald trump doesn't want that he prefers to put out his own message this is according to reporting from the new york times via twitter yeah he he doesn't need the press secretary shaping the message from the White House. He prefers to do it himself on Twitter. So, which further further cements the fact that the the, the Twitter account of the United States uh, of Donald Trump is an official statement from the President of the United States. Mm-hmm. It's not just a free speech, y'all. I can block who I want. No, this is the this is the the, the choice of communication from the president. But the reason I said that this reminded me of the situation is he's only good. When he has time to think about and steal his message from yeah, someone someone else sure. yeah, yeah. or somewhere else. Well, it was more of a selfish thing I'm talking about because I'm still blocked on Twitter by Donald Trump. Yeah. But, not being able to redress the grievances I have with my government. Yeah. Yes. But what I'm saying is that this whole argument of will you put him in a position during this interview to make these comments? All that means is that Donald Trump isn't somebody who can 
articulate himself on yeah, the spot that he sure. is someone who needs some time he needs to like look to fox news and how they phrase things that is exactly and then it. he needs to send a tweet he's not good on his feet yeah. because he's not intelligent he doesn't read he doesn't understand his role he doesn't understand what's happening all of that leads me perfectly Brittany. thank you <laughs> to the fact that on his birthday yesterday whose birthday donald trump Oh, he had a birthday? He did have a birthday. Huh. One every year, I think he gets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yesterday, he took to Fox News. Weird how I made it the whole day without having to hear about that. Fox I'm and so friends. thankful. For a, how long do you think the interview, well, it seems like a, a normal amount of interview time for a call-in for the President of the United States of America. Well, let's see. I think the President of the United States is a pretty busy guy. Very busy Has man. a lot of important things yes. that he needs to attend to. So I would say probably, I don't know, maybe like five minutes. Hmm. Mm. You should multiply that by tenfold, Brittany Page. Oh. He did... An hour? The whole a show? 50, <laughs> a 50-minute 50 interview... Over the phone, rambling and scrambling while they're trying to corral him like a fucking cat. <laughs> it is, it's remarkable. But I, I'm only going to play the two minutes and 50 seconds or so. This is your warning, everybody, if you want to skip ahead because you don't want to hear Donald Trump's fucking suck run its mouth. This is him specifically addressing the issue of the Stepanopoulos interview and his answer. Mr. President, let's talk about uh, early this week, uh, you granted ABC and uh, George Stephanopoulos a great access. You spent a couple of days with them. And uh, one of the sound bites that they ran uh, over the last 48 hours is essentially you say there, there is nothing wrong in your estimation with accepting dirt from Russia or any foreign country. You've taken a lot of heat from the Democrats regarding well, that since then. I don't say then. that. I think it was accurately stated, and I've had a lot of support. Well, then clarify it. Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of support. Uh, first of all, I don't think anybody would present me with anything bad because they know how much I love this country. Nobody's <laughs> going to present me with anything bad. Number two, if I was, and of course you have to look at it because if you don't look at it, you're not going to know if it's bad. How are you going to know if it's bad? But of course you'd give it to the FBI or report it to the Attorney General or somebody uh, like that. But of course you'd do that. You, wouldn't, you couldn't have that happen with our country. And everybody understands that. And I thought it was made clear. In fact, I actually said uh, at the beginning, I think I said I'd do both. But how are you going to, if you don't hear what it is, uh, you're not right. going to know what it is. I mean, how That's can right. you report how something you know that you know it's bad if you don't listen to it? So, Mr. President, I... No, no, they say, oh, he would, he would accept it. Well, if I don't listen, you're not going to know. Now, if I thought anything was incorrect or badly stated, I'd report it to the Attorney General, the FBI, I'd report it to law enforcement, absolutely. So, now, so, one, so thing for, that's, one thing that's different with the President, <laughs> I had dinner with the Queen, I, had, I met with the Prime Minister of the UK, I was with the head of France, I was the, with the head of all these nations, and I constantly am, constantly talking to them. And, you know, that puts us in a dip. We, we have many, many conversations. And I'm just thinking, gee, if they say, uh, we don't like your opponent, uh, am I supposed to put, you know, the president of France, am I supposed to report him to the FBI? You know, I'm in a little bit of a different position but, but, than a lot of other people. Mr. President, I think that's a good point. But what if that person, if, uh, if, uh, if a leader leaned over and just said, listen, I... Uh, X, uh, this candidate that you're running against, he did some dicey things in XYZ country, and I got some proof of it. 
What do you do in that scenario? Do you back off? Do you say, I don't need it? Do you say, show it to me? Like I said, Brian, the president of the United States, no matter who it is, whether it's me or anybody else, is in a much different position. Because I hear things that, frankly, good, bad, or indifferent, that other people don't hear. Just a normal right. conversation. Right. But nobody is going to say bad things to me. They know that I'm a very straight player. They know one thing about me. I love this country more than anything. I love this country. That's why I'm doing this. Okay. Uh, and I do, and by the way, I do love doing it. And the reason I love doing it, because we're doing a great job. We're doing this. <laughs> And then he goes on. I swear on. to God, just listening to this is listen, guys, fucking I'm, incredible. I, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm hugging a flag right now as I talk <laughs> to you, and you would, you would be amazed. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. How much I'm hugging this flag oh while I talk God. on the phone. And then Ainsley, her only role there is to repeat, periodically yeah. repeat How the are sentences. You know? Yeah. Here, let me let me coddle you. Yeah. Yes, you're so right. Uh, so. They know how much I love this country. <laughs> Everyone knows. Look, I've got an American flag tattooed right on my ball sack. I love <laughs> this country, y'all. <laughs> and the how are you going to know if it's bad oh unless you hear it? You have to hear it because how yeah. are you going to know it's bad? What if it's badly stated? So, so how do you know it's <laughs> badly bad? Badly stated. How do you know it's bad? Well, because they're offering you dirt. They're not offering complimentary information. Listen, one time Joe Biden came to our country. Shh, shh, shh. Hey, look, let me give a sideways glance both ways before I say this. And he helped orphans. <laughs> if they're giving you dirt, it's fucking bad, dipshit. Well, did you like how he used the phrase badly stated? Yes. <laughs> what does that mean? If they're using incorrect grammar? <laughs> how would he know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then the other thing, I'm the president of the United States. I talk to the queen. I talk to um, Macron from France. How am I? I have to be able to talk to these people. I'm not going to run to the FBI every time. Mm -hmm. Well, huh? What, you weren't the president during the 2016 campaign, and you still took meetings mm -hmm. with people who were promising information, dirt from Russia. Yeah. You still stood on a podium and said, Russia, if you're listening... You will be rewarded mightily if you find those 30,000 emails from Hillary Clinton. Yeah. What was the excuse then, guy? Mm-hmm. You can't hide behind the fact that you're president now. The rules still apply. Even though he thinks they don't. Yeah. So the other thing is Mitch McConnell in all of this, who is, he, he's, he's taken to calling himself the Grim Reaper. That bills go to die. <laughs> and the number of bills that he's actually allowed through to vote on that have passed unanimously, overwhelmingly, let's say, in the House, is pretty remarkable. But his role in all this is not going to play well in history. He's going to go down as being uh, complicit in all of this and an obstructionist related to trying to make things better for our electoral system. The case is closed. Why don't we move on? The case is closed, at least according to Republican Majority Leader Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, who refused to criticize President Trump for saying he theoretically would welcome political dirt from a foreign government in 2020. As CNN's Sunland Serfati reports, the bigger issue might be that McConnell has shown hostility toward legislation that would tighten security in U.S. elections. They just can't let it go, Laura. 
You know, I said weeks ago, case closed. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell not just defending the president, but blaming Democrats who were astonished by Trump's comments about accepting dirt on political opponents from foreign governments. Would you answer that question that well, way? Well, he, he, gets, he gets picked at every day over every different aspect of it. But the fundamental point is they're trying to keep the 2016 election alive. In addition to changing the conversation for the president, McConnell has been cleaning house in the Senate, blocking votes on any bill he chooses. Since January, the Senate has only passed 21 of the 264 bills already passed by the House, which have become law. Two more were vetoed by the president. Some of the legislation passed includes back paying federal workers during the government shutdown and a $19 billion disaster relief bill. But McConnell has also blocked multiple bipartisan bills, including a bill aimed at tightening security in U.S. elections. On Thursday, it was a bill from Democrats requiring political campaigns to report assistance offers from foreign nationals to the FBI, officially blocked by Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn. Presidential campaigns would have to worry about disclosure at a variety of levels. McConnell's killing of countless other bills has earned him a new nickname from Democrats. Leader McConnell, the Grim Reaper, is creating this graveyard. Leader McConnell seems to take great pride in calling himself the Grim Reaper. It's part of the pride he takes as leader of the Senate. It's a moniker McConnell does indeed seem to relish, even selling a Grim Reaper t-shirt on his campaign website. And McConnell had this to say a few months ago regarding some of the more progressive bills, including the Green New Deal and Medicare for All. Think of me as the Grim Reaper. None of that stuff is going to pass. None of it. The Senate Majority Leader, however, he has been focused on one of his biggest priorities, nominations and confirming conservatives uh, into judgeships. Now, McConnell notably is up for re-election in 2020, where, of course, it's seen uh, as potentially staying in President Trump's good graces. That's seen as being politically advantageous for him. Jake? Wouldn't it be great to get him out of that uh. position? <laughs> It is odd how much he relishes his role in none of that is going to get passed. None of that. Yeah. It's it's sickening. When people are proud to be dicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I definitely know what you mean. He is. Pr- Why do you get look at me when you say that? That is on un- it. That is outrageous. I, a lot of things are outrageous for you today. <laughs> Time to take I that down a notch. I am fucking outraged. Well, did you want me to read this statement from the FEC chair? Oh, yes, I do. Okay, because she issued a statement regarding illegal contributions from foreign governments. She issued this following the interview with George Stephanopoulos. And yeah, Donald she Trump. also tweeted it out with, and the top of the tweet said something like, uh, like, I shouldn't fucking have to do this. Yeah, it said, I would not have thought that I needed to say this. My way's better. (laughs) (laughs) A little more attention grabbing, but yeah, yeah. So she says, let me make something 100% clear. 100% clear to the American public and anyone running for public office. It is illegal for any person to solicit, accept, or receive anything of value from a foreign national in connection with a U.S. election. This is not a novel concept. 
Electoral intervention from foreign governments has been considered unacceptable since the beginnings of our nation. Our founding fathers sounded the alarm about foreign interference, intrigue, and influence. They knew that when foreign governments seek to influence American politics, it is always to advance their own interests, not America's. Anyone who solicits or accepts foreign assistance risks being on the wrong end of a federal investigation. Any political campaign that receives an offer of a prohibited donation from a foreign source should report that offer to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Period. Mm -hmm. No equivocation there. I don't know where we are and how we got here. I mean, how embarrassed would you be to be in, to fucking be represented by Marsha Blackburn? And there's, it's just too many things. Oh, we can't have a rule against uh, talking with and colluding with foreign enemy powers for information on our on our uh, opponents. Mm-hmm. There's just oh, it's just to be too complex. Yeah. No, it wouldn't be. It's about the <laughs> most simple fucking thing in the world. Yeah. Because like the, the uh, Weintraub said there, mm-hmm. Elaine, Elaine Weintraub, right? Yeah. That. The reason they're giving you dinner is to further their own interest, not to further and look out for the United States interest. It's Ellen. Ellen, not Elaine. Oh, I was so far off. How <laughs> dare you? I had already closed it, and then I, I said yes. Oh, right. When I meant I don't know, but... So, <laughs> we'd love to know what you think about all of this still. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. The other item that we want to talk about briefly is the fact that the Office of the Special Counsel, not Robert Mueller, there's always an Office of the Special Counsel running, uh, has suggested, recommended, that Kellyanne Conway be fired for her multiple, many, myriad violations of the Hatch Act. And Donald Trump, eh, nah, she's going to stay. Tonight, an unprecedented ruling. For the first time, the Office of Special Counsel recommending a White House official be removed from office. The office calling Trump counselor Kellyanne Conway a repeat offender of the Hatch Act, which bars federal employees from engaging in political activity. They point to these interviews where Conway weighed in on the special election of Roy Moore in Alabama. Doug Jones in Alabama, folks, don't be fooled. He'll be a vote against tax cuts. He's weak on crime, weak on borders. He'll be a reliable vote for tax hikes. He'll be a reliable vote against border security. He'll be a reliable vote against national security and keeping ISIS in retreat. He'll be a reliable vote against the Second Amendment, against life. Clearly being political, by the way, he's now the senator. Out front now, Richard Painter who served as White House ethics lawyer under the Bush administration, and Scott Jennings, former special assistant to President George W. Bush. So, Richard, this is an unprecedented recommendation. You served as White House ethics lawyer. How significant is this move by the OSC? Well, it shouldn't have taken this long. In the Bush administration, someone who did what Kellyanne Conway did would have been fired in 24 hours. We never would have allowed someone in an official interview uh, to be uh, uh, endorsing or opposing a candidate for political office. That's a clear violation of the Hatch Act. It doesn't matter who you are. The only person who could do that is the president of the United States and the vice president. So we would have had her out out of the Bush White House in 24 hours. It's amazing that the Trump White House didn't resolve this, and it took the Office of Special Counsel having to write yet another letter about Kellyanne Conway. So she should be out the door. I'm going to pause it there. One, I love Richard Painter a lot. 
for sure. He's awesome. And usually when I play these clips from these shows, I, I don't I don't uh, want to play the back and forth of the talking heads of the commentators because that's kind of our job here. I really try to play just the just the reporting part of it. Mm-hmm. But this next piece here from the the guy who's getting ready to be asked, well, what do you think? Is such a ridiculous and farcical argument that her First Amendment violation uh, rights are being violated. Oh my God! She's an American like anybody else, and she should be able to speak her mind when she's asked a question. That's ultimately the only way they have to go. But then it just ends so beautifully because he's like, "Well, this is a dumb law." That's ultimately, <laughs> ultimately what they fucking have to say. Uh, and Scott, I think it's safe to to say that she will not be out the door. No, no, and she shouldn't be. Look, I, the, the part of this that is most amazing to me is that you have senior advisors to the president. These are extensions, direct extensions of the president, doing press interviews, getting asked questions, and you have this special counsel come along and say, well, they're not allowed to answer certain questions about the political affairs or the public affairs of our country. That's outrageous, and it's ludicrous. Kellyanne outrageous. Conway is on TV responding to questions that reporters are asking her. What is she supposed to do? Say, hang on, Aaron, let me, let me call the Office of Special Counsel and see if I'm allowed to talk about this. This will have a chilling <laughs> impact on what we can learn from senior advisors to the president. Curious, we want to so hear Scott, what why, they say about why the president. The, the president was open. Okay, that's true, but this was, these are about political, you know, endorsing people. The president is allowed to say what he wants to say on that. And he does. So shouldn't she just have said that the president's spoken to that and he's made his opinion clear? Which would be yeah, she professional that, but and I don't consistent know why with the law. First of all, by the, way, by the way, this law is so outdated, it does not reflect the way the modern presidency works. Well, and Richard knows the this. The modern president like the of the law. United you States is like the, the titular law. head of their political party and their senior most advisors. <laughs> So good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Well, then repeal the law if you don't like the law. <laughs> that's it. If you don't like the law, you don't just gonna say, "Well, that's a dumb law. I'm not gonna follow that one." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's what that's what they do. Yeah, espionage laws. Eh, those aren't the good ones. We're not gonna follow those. We're gonna we're gonna side with the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the decision to um, get rid of Kellyanne Conway or discipline her is solely the president. Right. It's it's on Trump. And they are showing signs that they're going to do nothing about this. That's right. The White House spokesman, uh, Stephen Grooves, Stephen, Stephen Grooves. Stephen Stephen Groves. Groves. I I was going to correct myself and then have you edit it, but then you did whatever you just did there. So I'm assuming you want that in. Did whatever I just did. I had a good time. All right. A real groovy time. Yeah. He said, quote, its decisions (laughs) seem to be influenced by referring to the recommendation from the Office of the Special Counsel. Its decisions seem to be influenced by media pressure and liberal organizations. And perhaps the Office of the Special Counsel should be mindful of its own mandate to act in a fair, impartial, non-political manner and not misinterpret or weaponize the Hatch Act. The law, the law is fucking clear that you don't get to talk and speak in political manners rel- relative to endorsing candidates. And by doing what she did, she was endorsing the opponent of Doug Jones. Clearly. She she she's done it many many times. Not just related to this. She's also done it uh, related to endorsing uh, Ivanka's fucking clothing line and shit. Well, I would encourage everybody to go out there and buy Ivanka's stuff. That's a violation. 
you're not you're not acting in good faith in your position as an advisor to the president. You're not in a political if you want to be political, go work for the fucking campaign and leave the office, the Oval Office, leave the White House. Well, the good news is that the House Oversight and Reform Committee is going to be holding a hearing on June 26th about good. this, about this. And they are inviting Kellyanne Conway to answer for her violations. Elijah Cummings, the committee's chairman, said in a statement that Trump should immediately fire Conway yes. based on these findings. And then he also noted that the panel has additional concerns about Kellyanne Conway's use of private jets. Mm. and her role in the administration's drug control strategy, and also that the White House has not provided requested documents related to either of those matters. Nor will they be providing them. Of because course. they are just a, a stone wall at this point. Well, did you also hear that the Justice Department backed Steve Mnuchin's refusal to release Trump's tax returns? Yeah, the same office, the Office of uh, Legal Counsel, the same office that... Uh, has the the legal opinion that the, the sitting president cannot be indicted. That same office is the one that that let that go. That yeah. let that opinion out. Yeah, they're backing the decision yeah. from Steve Mnuchin to defy the request from Congress that Trump's tax returns be provided on 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 the basis that it lacked quote legitimate legislative purpose. Yeah, they're, so they're they're calling balls and strikes there relative to uh, Congress's purview, whether or not, oh, that's not a legitimate legislative uh, cause, which is complete out of their fucking hands. That's It's not up to them to decide what is and what is not a legitimate legislative cause. What's fascinating about this is how how much effort they are putting into and how many people are yeah. involved in this effort to prevent Donald Trump's tax returns from becoming public. I mean, the amount of effort they are putting into this, that should really say something to everybody. And yeah. unfortunately, the MAG Americans, as you like to call them, uh, they're not picking up on this, right? Because if Hillary... Oh, Trump! Baby. Oh, that was really abrupt in my ear. If Hillary Clinton were to go to these lengths to yeah. shield her tax returns from becoming public, they would be in the streets. They would be <laughs> rightfully in the streets. Yeah. They, they would be justified to be outraged as the word of the day. Yeah. But because it's their guy. Right. No problem. And listen, let, Nothing me, say, to see here. let me say this. I hope they do get the taxes and I hope with everything within me, they do not leak them to the public. That would be irresponsible. I don't need to know what's in Donald, Trump, Donald Trump's taxes. And it would be not in good faith to get the information and then make it public. That's not why the law, the 1924 law, that allows these certain individuals within the House to, to pull any citizen's taxes, that's not why it's there, so they can make them public. We should all hope that our government would protect the privacy of our tax returns. Mm -hmm. But if they need it to investigate what they're investigating, then they need it. I just hope they do with it uh, whatever they're going to do responsibly. All right. I think we're done with Dalamocracy and on to landing the plane. It's the asshole of today. Grayson Fritz. Oh, wow. Grayson Fritz. That's, a, that's the, a hell of a name. The pastor. Oh. At All Scripture Baptist Church Past, in Knoxville, Past, Tennessee. Pastor Grayson Fritz, y'all. Grayson Fritz. What's, uh, what, what do you do? Well, 
he um, shockingly said some hateful things about the LGBTQ community, specifically that, uh, quote, they are worthy of death. Oh, this guy. Isn't mm-hmm. he also a cop? I believe so. I, I believe it's so. It's a double whammy. Yeah. He's a pastor, a man of God, and a cop. Great. Good times, everybody. Where'd you say Tennessee? Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, speaking of Marsha Blackburn. So he posted this sermon online and then removed it, according to the Washington Post. Uh, the video was picked up by the Tennessee Holler, an independent liberal news outlet, and edited into a six-minute clip. And in this clip, part of what he says is, quote, God has instilled the power of civil government to send the police in 2019 out to the LGBT freaks and arrest them and have a trial for them. And if they are convicted, then they are to be put to death. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he suggested that it would be easy to find people to arrest at uh, places such as gay pride parades. Yeah. Mm hmm. Listen, I'm 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 happy when things like this happen for one reason, and that's to to let people know that there still are dangers for the LGBTQ community, that there are still people like this out there who exist, who are proud of their opinion so much and are 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 feeling that it's so mainstream that they're willing to be public with their views. Mm-hmm. That's a it's a fucking problem. So you were correct in saying that he is a cop because um, I'm reading from a CNN article here and they have not been able to reach him for comment, but apparently he did talk to journalists before giving a sermon last Wednesday and they asked him if his beliefs, his religious beliefs about the LGBTQ community have interfered with his work as a cop. Yeah. And I'm sure he said, oh, no, no. Quote, it's totally separate because if I'm employed by the sheriff's office, then if they came into the sheriff's office, obviously they're allowed there. You understand what I'm saying? This. I'm over this. I'm the head of this church. I say who comes and goes. Those people are not permitted to join. Those people are not permitted to attend. Now, what's interesting about that quote is... (laughs) He was just talking about how God has instilled the power of the civil government to send the police to these communities, arrest them, have a trial, and put them to death. This is a dangerous, dangerous man. And then he says, oh, it's totally separate. My work as a cop. Yeah. What? What are you what are you talking about? You know that we know what you said because you're on video saying it, right? It's a problem. Yeah. It is a problem. Well, the Knox County District Attorney General um, issued a statement calling the comments, quote, personally offensive and reprehensible. She said that she's going to be reviewing all of the pastor's pending cases. Yes. And an assistant district attorney will review any complaints about closed cases involving Fritz. This is Fritz. not this is not just Grayson Fritz. This should this isn't just a a can't look at this like a, a first amendment issue either. Because he is entrusted with the power of arrest. He has great powers being a cop. Being able to trample upon the rights, the civil rights of Americans. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you don't just get to say whatever you're going to fucking say. You can't have opinions like this and then go to work where you're expected to be civil, to serve and protect the public. Mm -hmm. This guy needs to be, one, fired and 
just lucky he lives in Tennessee. Um, he should absolutely be fired because someone who is saying this stuff and putting it online and he's he's allowed to walk through his city yeah. with a gun. Yeah. A gun provided by the government. Yeah. And he's a government agent. I mean, this is no. He's an ignorant fuck for one thing. So you shouldn't be allowed to be a cop and not have an IQ over a certain fucking threshold. Yeah. This guy's a goddamn moron. Well, and I also, I know we don't need to say it, but if you looked at this guy's search history, it would be all kinds oh, of, yeah. all kinds of good stuff in there. Yeah. Okay. Goddamn. <laughs> and aside from that, I know that he is a miserable person. Yeah. Because no one holding these views walks around in happiness. Yeah. Well, we're going to follow this. I'm going to I'm going to make a point to 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 keep this on the back burner cuz I want to see what happens with this guy. Mm-hmm. And if you're from that area, I'd love to know what you think. Having this guy walk in the streets in a position to arrest you, to pull you over, Absolutely. to give you a ticket, Absolutely. To, to send you to jail with his fucking nonsense ideas about how the world works. We are going to leave you there. Thank you for joining us for every episode that you do, for listening as long as you do. We would love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. If you are in a position and you're passionate enough to support the show on Patreon, we would welcome you. Go to teamdollamore.com and you can read all about it there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page... I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt. Yeah, and I love knowing that people are wasting their time on me. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things.